So good to be with all of my special Kensington Temple family. There's no other church I'd rather visit in Europe than Kensington Temple. I want to greet Pastor Colin and Amanda Dye. They're my great friends and the team there. And uh, we are so glad that uh, at least we get to communicate and be able to minister through these wonderful different means and online service that we're both doing. And uh, I'm honored to be able to be bringing the Sunday morning message to you today. And so here's what we're going to talk about. I don't want to ignore what we're facing uh, here in America. Uh, our nation is slowly beginning to open up. Uh, the stores are opening. The restaurants are opening. Some states are already all the way full-blown open like there's never been a problem, which is very exciting. But in other parts of the world, it's not happening that way, or it's going a little bit slower like it is there in Great Britain. And so when we go through this crisis, I want to deal with it in light of the scriptures. Everybody today is talking about we need hope. Well, not really. We need faith. There's a difference between hope and faith. And so I'm not hoping I get healed. I'm believing that I get healed and stay healed. We are called to walk by faith and not by hope. Romans 1.17 says, the just live by faith. So we are called to live by faith. So all of us hope people need to change our hope and go into faith. And we build our faith on scripture and scripture that we keep hearing makes our faith stronger. So as a pastor, what I've been doing in our church and our friends online is I've been highlighting certain scriptures to make sure that our faith is growing during this time so that we don't come under the physical pressure, we don't come under the economic pressure, and we don't come under the mental pressure of all the bad news and all the exaggerations and all the, the drama that we hear through the radio and the TV, and even when we talk to friends on the phone, we have to have a different type of hearing, and we need to hear from the scriptures and not just from everybody's opinion. So since Pastor Con asked me to minister, I'm going to minister on healing, prosperity, and mental health. So I'm going to do all of that in our time together today because that's what's going on in the world. Now, since this virus crisis has started, we've been praying certain verses. So I want us to open our Bibles today to Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, and we want to start establishing and reminding you of what God's view is about healing. In Exodus 15 and 26 says, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statues, I will put none of the diseases that were upon the Egyptians upon you or the non-believer suffering will not come on you. Now here's why I read the verse. Listen to this phrase. I am the Lord that healeth thee. So God declares from the very beginning of the Bible, from the very start, he declares himself an almighty God and declares himself a healing God. And here is the great declaration. I am not going to be, not was, I am present tense today. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now that's where you can take your pen out and you write your name there. Your name's all through the Bible. And here's where you should put your name. Here's one place. I am the Lord that healeth Roberts Lairdon. I am the Lord that healeth Colin Dye. I am the Lord that healeth. Put your name there and make it personal. 
Faith has to be personal and not just wide and generic. It needs to be specific and personal. My God, Jehovah, is my healer. He heals me today. He heals me tomorrow. He'll heal me next week. And it does not matter what somebody else says or what their experience is. That's their experience, not mine. Mine is based on chapter and verse and not 40 other people's opinions and their own little experience. If you listen to everybody's opinion, you'll end up believing nothing and suffering. So we declare to you today and remind most of you at Kensington Temple that Jesus, the Father God, the Holy Spirit declares to you and I that he is our healer. All right, now this is the verse, Exodus, since we're right there in the book, chapter 23, turn there in your Bibles, Exodus 23 and verse 25. I want to read, because this is the verse I've been praying every day over myself, my family, our ministry team, all of our partners. It says in Exodus 23 and 25, you shall serve the Lord your God and he shall bless your bread and your water or your food. He will bless what you eat and he will take sickness away from the midst of thee. To me, that is an important verse that I've been standing on and declaring. And I want to teach it to you and declare it over you today. It says there that God will bless what we eat. He'll protect us from eating things that make us sick. He'll make sure that what we do eat does what it's supposed to do in our bodies to give us strength and, and give us the nutrients that we need to go forward and to be strong. He will bless what we eat. He will bless what we drink. Our God watches over what we eat and drink. And he says this, and I will remove, I will take out of the midst of you sicknesses. Midst of you would be your own physical body. It'd be your own family, the church there. God will remove sickness from the midst of you. Sickness does not have a right to remain as a governing voice in your life. Sickness is an enemy. It needs to be confronted. It needs to be resisted spiritually and naturally and not just, well, some days I'm sick and some days I'm not. That's not the life of the spirit-filled Christian. Our God declares that he is our healer and that he blesses what we eat and he removes sickness and disease from the midst of us. Now, today's message is gonna be simple. It's not going to be complex. I'm not going to give you four Greek words. I'm going to give you scriptures with present application today. So right there, those two verses alone would give you enough strength to face off with any sickness and disease and say, no, you cannot come in here. You cannot control me. You cannot dictate to me. And you will not last in my life or my family's life. Now, let's go to the New Testament now. 3 John verse 2 is a familiar verse to many of us, but I want to read it again. It's a little book. There's 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. We're reading verse 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, this verse fits where we are today. It fits exactly what's happening in our life. The two things that you need and I need, your nation needs and my nation needs, is that we need healing 
and we need health and we need prosperity. This virus crisis has created those two demanding elements in our life and our society. Now in this verse, he says, I want you to have health. There is something better than divine healing. Now, when I grew up, I understood that Jesus could heal people because that's what he did for me. In my home, in those days, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And when there was a revival meeting, we went every night, no matter if we were at school or had homework, we did the homework in the car and we, we, went, to, we went to revival meetings. I remember the first revival meeting I went to went for 16 weeks, every night for 16 weeks. And I can remember the crowd and it outgrew the auditorium. They put a tent in the parking lot. And I remember going to church for 16 weeks every night. And I liked it. It was a great time. And so the attitude of my family was if we were not feeling good and it was Saturday night or it was Tuesday or it was Wednesday after you came home from school, you didn't feel good. Well, go to church because that's where you're going to get healed because you're going to school on Monday morning or on Thursday morning. You're going to go. So go get healed. And so I would go to church or my sister Priscilla would go to church. And sometimes we were sick and we lay on the pew, sleep. And when it's time for the prayer line, they'd wake us up and say, get up there and get healed so you can go to school. So I understood by experience and by scripture that God can heal you. Divine healing's a reality. But then something happened to me. I was sitting in a service by Kenneth Hagin. He was preaching. He read this verse and another verse, and he made this comment. I haven't had an aspirin since 19, I think it was 1958. And this was what, 1990-something? And inside, I thought, he's not telling the truth. Now, if you know me, I love Brother Hagen. I He's done a lot to change my life in ministry. I, I, I respect him, love him, and want everybody to read all of his books and get all of his CDs. Great man. So for me to say inside, he's not telling the truth, was a, was, was a reaction. And that tells, tells me and tells you that when you don't know something and you hear someone the first time, sometimes your first reaction to a scripture being taught or a statement being said maybe from the reaction of your not knowing the truth or not knowing much about it, or that your experience has now dictated you out of the word and into your own feeling and your own belief system, which God is not required to answer or fulfill. God only does Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not Mary, Joe, and Henry. So Aunt Mary and Uncle Joe and everybody else's opinion, that gospel doesn't work. And he said, I haven't had an aspirin since 1958. And I thought, really? That was the first time I'd heard in my life about something better than divine healing, and that's divine health. Third John 2 says, beloved, I want you to be in health. Now, what does health mean? Health means you're not sick. So when we walk in divine health, that means our sick days get fewer and fewer and our healthy days get more and more till one day we have this experience. I'm talking with you where Pastor Con and I are having British tea and we make a question or a comment, when's the last time you were sick? And it takes us a minute to think about, well, that was, that's because you've been living 
in divine health. Some of you have been living it and not recognizing God has been helping you supernaturally to keep healthy and strong. So during this virus crisis, I just don't want us to get healed. I want us to take another step and walk in divine health. I want us to say, Lord, I want to have healthy days and not sick days. Even when the virus crisis is over, I want to stay healthy. I want to stay productive. As I get older in my own physical age, I want to stay healthy. I want to be an old man that's healthy, not an old man that walks around, can't do anything. That is not the way the righteous are supposed to age. We're supposed to age by getting wiser and stronger and having healthy days until the time of our departure to graduate to heaven. God will send that resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead into your body, into your spirit, into your mind, and quicken your physical mortal body. And in quicken it, he gives strength to it. He removes sicknesses and diseases from it, and it keeps you strong. So you have two things working for you, natural health that you do, natural things that you do to stay healthy, and God's mighty power together gives you a great healthy life. I want us today to begin to thank God and begin to learn about how to walk in divine health. Now, let me say this. Many of our divine healing preachers will spend half of their TV shows selling vitamins and selling pills. And they do it all the time. Now, part of that I think is great. There's a natural side of learning how to stay healthy, but I think we need to make sure that all of a sudden pills don't outweigh the power and the supernatural of God. So we want the supernatural to stay above all the practical things. Like here's how I deal with the doctors. I have a family doctor, general practitioner. I have people that check me out and keep a watch over me and tell me when I'm good or bad and what I got to do. And so sometimes they'll say something to you. Like I should tell you this story. When I first came to London and you know, when you come to London and I came to the Prince of the Bible school and uh, you have so many weeks before you ever got to find you a doctor and get into the national healthcare system. Well, that was a little different how America does it. So I got to England and I found me a family doctor or general practitioner and I go in and it was a lady doctor of all things that was a Muslim. Can you imagine me having a lady doctor that was a Muslim and she had wore the, the, the little uh, hat or the scarf that she wears. And so I sit down and I got some kind of cough and I couldn't get rid of it. I'd come across the ocean and my body was acclimating to the British weather, you know how it is. It's cold and damp and it never gets hot, but like two times a year. And so my Floridian body, like right now in Florida, it's 90 degrees outside, sunny's out and it's hot and sticky. So we stay inside with air condition, but I don't know if England would understand that unless you come here. So here's a thing you should do. When you are tired of snow and cold and damp weather, get on a plane and fly to Florida and enjoy our beaches and then visit my church on Sunday afternoons while you're here. So I go to the doctor and I talk to her about this, this cough I couldn't get rid of and I need to need some medicine or something. And she listened to my chest and do all that stuff. And she goes, well, that's interesting. I go, well, what does that mean? She goes, well, it could be several things. And she named a couple of things and it could be some other stuff. And I said, well, what kind of other stuff? She said, well, it could be cancer. It could be something to do with, you know, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. It could be cancer. What do you mean it could be cancer? That was the first time in my life that the word cancer was said toward me. 
And in a moment of time, my mind heard the word cancer. I died, was buried. I saw the whole funeral, the whole thing in about 30 seconds. It moved that fast in my head. And it kept going because I was never expecting that comment from her about cancer. And it caught me off guard and it hit me. And I had to stop her. I said, just a minute. And I laid my hands on my own head like this. And I prayed for a minute. Now she thought I was crazy, but I didn't care because my mind was tripping on that. And I learned from that situation and a few others. I appreciate doctors. They're to give you a statement, but they are not the final statement about your body and your condition. Let them tell you they are trained to listen to you, take your blood, do all of those things, and then give you a report. And when they give you a report, and sometimes they have to tell you things that don't sound good, but they're giving you the knowledge they have and what they understand. But always remember, it's not the final statement. It's a statement. But God's word for you and I are the final statement. Can you believe that? Can you trust that? Can you walk in that? He wants us to walk in divine health, not just get healed all the time. That is something we need to learn out of this virus crisis. Now, in this verse of 3 John 2, it has another word. Now, don't turn me off because I'm about to say a word that sometimes British people get nervous about. Prosperity. Money. And I know as soon as I say that, there's some of you who go, there goes those American preachers again. All right, number one, I'm American. Number two, I'm a preacher. And number three, I believe in prosperity. So yes, I'm all that guy. But I'm not your enemy. I'm your friend. Most of you know me. We've we've lived together for a while there in London in the great church. Why is it that prosperity, just the word alone makes people go, "Mm," they get upset. Well, right now, your country and mine, I just heard on the way to this taping that we have over 35 million Americans unemployed right now. It keeps going up every week. Last week it was 27, now we've jumped again. So the virus may be coming down, but the effects of this thing is still going and the economics effect are out here. And so for me as your friend and for me as a pastor to my church, not to address what God says about healing and health and finances in a time of crisis would mean I don't love you. Would mean I don't want to help you in that area. Well, I want to help you in that area. I want you to be healed, walk in divine health, and I want you to walk in God's provision and God's provisional care for you, your family, your business, and your life. Beloved, I wish above all things that all the British Christians, all the European Christians would prosper and be in health. To prosper and to be in health. Psalms 35. If you'll go there in your Bibles, this is my favorite prosperity verse of all times. And I should tell you how I learned this. I was sitting on the front row of my church and a guest speaker read Psalms 35, 27 to me. And I said to my associate pastor, is that really in the Bible? I never heard this verse before. Let me read it to you. Maybe you've never heard it either. 
It says in Psalms 35 and 27, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say all the time, the Lord be praised, the Lord be magnified. Now listen to this, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his people. It was a revelation to me that God didn't get mad when we prospered. I was under an impression that God wanted us to have just enough money to barely make it. And that's how we we're supposed to live. I never knew. Well, here's what I thought too. So number two, maybe you're like this, that if you had extra money, God would think like this. Well, what do I do to make them spend that money so they don't get prideful or arrogant so the washing machine wouldn't work or a problem with the car or, or so they take up the extra money, a crisis of some kind. That's how we thought about it. And I found out one day God does not get upset when you have extra money. After all your bills are paid, there's extra money. After all the bills are paid in the church, there's extra money. God doesn't get mad. Religious people get mad, but God doesn't. So in this time of crisis, we need to build our faith again. And I want to remind you that KT people, Kensington Temple Church members, you've been tithing, you've been giving offerings, and God said there are certain things that he will do for the tither and the giver of offerings. And it's time for us to remember that. It's time enough for us to remember. What did you do in January? What did you do in February? What did you do in March and April and May? And we're about to go into June or in June now. You've been doing all those things. So why shouldn't you expect what God promised to happen to you? Miracles are coming to you or by you every day. What makes them come into your life and into your hands is you're expecting them. You're looking for them. That's how they come. Expectation opens the door for them to come to you. Let me read this verse to you again. God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. He doesn't get mad. Now, Proverbs 10 is my second favorite verse on prosperity. Do not turn me off and do not give me the, the British look like, oh, no. Folks, in Great Britain and on the continent of Europe, there is an economic challenge that has come and it's going to get a little bit louder for a while. So you and I may be in this world, but we live on kingdom principles, everybody. It's time that we walk in them and not be nervous or bashful, but be bold and aggressive. Proverbs 10, 22 says this. It says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. When God blesses you, he does not come and say, here's a great blessing of finance and then slap you with pain and slap you with trouble and slap your life with issues. When God's blessing comes, it makes you rich and adds no sorrow with it. In those two great verses, God has pleasure when you prosper. When he blesses you is the riches that comes into your life that includes financial riches as well and adds no sorrow with it. Now, I want us to go to our last verse here, Genesis 26. We have a great story of Isaac that was in a similar situation like you and I. All right, so, so far in my message, I've talked about God as a healer. I've talked about that he wants to heal us of our sickness and disease. And I've talked about divine health. 
and I've talked to you about prosperity in a time of crisis, and I wanted to give to you those verses in Psalms and Proverbs that God loves to prosper you, that God's blessing will come over you and adds no sorrow with it. Now listen to this. This is why I chose this verse. In Genesis 26 and 1, there was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine, Genesis 26 and 1, and that was in the days of Abraham. And verse 12, so Isaac is living in the Philistine territory and there's a crisis. The crisis is that there's been no rain and the crops aren't growing well. The flocks are diminishing because there's not enough water for them and they're, they're thirsty and dying. There's issues. And in a crisis, Isaac sowed, it says in verse 12 of Genesis 26, Isaac sowed in that land. What land? The land where there was a crisis. Is England in a crisis? America's in a crisis. England's in a crisis. Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. When this crisis started, this verse came alive to me. And not so much the part that you think you thought you would, I would focus on the, the hundredfold. Now that's nice. But the part that jumped out to me that I want to give to you today, that it was a same year harvest. He received in the same year that he sowed a hundredfold return. Now, I can't do that for you. Pastor Colin Amanda can't do that for you. But God said he can do that for you. I want us today to put our hand back in the hand of Jesus. I want us to put our faith back in the, into the heart of God and look to him for help and throw all the, the negatives about healing and divine health and prosperity out of your mind and come in with simple childlike faith and let's believe that what God did for this man, he'll do for you today in modern times. We're in a crisis. This virus has caused hectic, Hell through the nations, death and poverty and issues that people do not know quite how to get out of. But for us, we have a scripture and a faithful God. Isaac had a crisis covenant with God. He sowed in the time of crisis and received same year. Can you say same year? Same year, same year. Not five years, not 10 years, same year. You're going to need money this year. You're not going to need next year or in five years now. We need miracle supply in your life, in the churches, in the businesses. We need this to happen to us and we have a scripture for it. We're going to pray in a minute, but I want to keep pounding this in. My message today is not what I call very deep and it's more repetitious because I need you to come back and grab a hold of these scriptures and quit striving, quit trying to make it, and let's start thriving in a crisis. Isaac thrived in the crisis. Verse 12, Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Verse 13, the man waxed great, went forward until he became very great in a crisis. Read that again. The man waxed great, went forward, grew to become very great in a famine. And it says in verse 14, for he had or he owned flocks and herds and a great store of employees. 
and the Philistine that lived around him envied him. That is God helping his people in a crisis. I want you to take this verse to your heart and I want you to believe that what God did for Isaac, he will do for you. Now, before I close, let me say this to you. Normally, you all think I'm going to come up with a, to take up an offering now. No, I want to do this. And this is how the Lord told me to talk to you. Like I've talked to my church. Did you tithe in January? Did you give offerings in February? Did, have you been giving to Kensington Temple? Have you been faithful during this virus crisis? Have you been doing what you normally do? Well, then you've been sowing in a crisis. And we need to believe that we have a same year return on that which you have tied and that which you've sown during this crisis. Can you join me and believe God that we can have verse 12 of Genesis 26 in your family, in your business, and in that great church? The world may shake, but it's time that we thrive in the midst of this crisis. And you've been doing these things. And some of you like me, You've been tithing since you were a little boy. I've been tithing since I was in you know, Sunday school. So I'm a tither from way back. But let's just think from January. God saw what you did. God knows what you did. And he knows what the amount that you sowed means. He knows what it cost you. He beholds that. He sees that. And today... We're going to believe he's going to give us an Isaac blessing in our great worldwide crisis to where you can thrive financially and supernaturally during this time. I want to pray for you right now. I want to ask God to touch you where you are. Kensington Temple, you are a great church. You are a great people. You pray, you give, you do missions, you do things that are amazing. You're an amazing apostolic church. I tell all my friends, when you go to London, you know, all the sightseeing, but on Sunday, you have to go visit Kensington Temple. And I mean that with all my heart. But I don't want you to be a religious person. I want you to be a person of faith. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to do this for you in this crisis. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for everybody at Kensington Temple, from Pastor Colin Amanda, all the way down to the person that just tuned in for the very first time today to watch Kensington Temple. Father, we thank you that you've not left us to our own ways of survival in the crisis. I thank you, Father, that you'll do Exodus 23 and 25 that you will bless what we eat and what we drink, and that you will remove sickness and disease from the midst of everyone at Kensington Temple, and that you will give them 3 John verse 2, that they will be able to walk in divine health. Father, let the people get healed and stay healthy and strong even when the virus crisis is over. And I pray for you. 3 John verse 2 also declares that he wants you to prosper. Father, I thank you that you look at the Kensington Temple family, see what they've tithed and what they've given, and I come to you and I ask that you look at Jesus 26 and verse 12, and will you honor that on our behalf now in this crisis? 
Give us the Isaac blessing in a time of a crisis that we will thrive in this time and will prosper in this time. Father, I ask that you give people money that they need. Send them miracle money that they have no way of where it comes from and you just send it to them supernaturally. Help them have good jobs and even better jobs. Father, I ask that you send angels to help the people in the crisis of their money and let things turn. Today we declare for you the Isaac blessing that you'll receive in this year, a hundredfold return on what you've given, the time you've given, the money you've given, that God will do what he did for Isaac, for you there in London, for you there in the great nation of England. I pray for you today for God to heal you and to prosper you and to increase you. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, I hope to be with you very soon. I appreciate this opportunity. And I hope that you will listen to this message again next day or the, the day after and be reminded that God will heal you, walk you, walk you in divine health, and he will prosper you and honor your seeds and offerings that you've done in your past in this crisis moment and expect something good to happen to you. As soon as it's over, I'll be flying to London to see all of you. In the meantime, remember, something good is going to happen to you today.